This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top-tier lineup. With Leaf Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only by app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. You know, the more time I've spent up there, the more time I've spent with these guys, it gives me complete confidence in what they're doing. Do you know what I mean? Absolute confidence in what they do. And you you just think, you know, we are, we're at the start of something. Maybe too late this season, but we're start of something. Sort of the way the Premier League, the team kind of aged together, really, didn't it? There were perhaps were, were it wasn't um, whether it was financial side of things because obviously it's, it's difficult for to compete in the Premier League even at that stage. Uh, yeah, a lot of the, you look at the team that played in the relegation season. It was a lot of the players that had come up a few years earlier, and, and most of you weren't in your early twenties at that point, were you? You were kind no, of absolutely. And it was tough. It was really tough. No different from any team going up. You know, now you you try to, and we had a, obviously we, we we had a, a really good season or, or half of the season. Then it became more and more difficult, and um, you know it was second season. It was skin of the teeth job, wasn't it? It was another trip to Blackburn and, and getting a result. And our friend Mark Steen scoring uh, um, that puts was it Sheffield United who went down? Yeah, Sheffield United. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a bit really, really tight. And then we got, you know, three seasons. And then you changed the manager. And um, I think John tried to hand it over and maybe make a move upstairs and hand it over to Mick McGiven. And he was being helped by Paul Goddard and, and Johnny Walk for a while. And that didn't work. And then the club got George Burley in. And, um, you know, it was, you know, I'm pretty sure that at that stage, it was it was very, very difficult to be able to keep us up. And obviously he didn't. But then he went off and, and and built all over again. And George, it was great when George came in because he was a he was a breath of fresh air. He was a he was a bright young manager with an unbelievable history. Um, and you know, a new manager comes in after you know changing new ideas. And George has a succession of number twos, didn't he? he had, obviously, he had Dale yeah. Roberts, he had Tony Mowbray at the end, but he brought in John Gorman, he brought in Stuart Houston. Brought in Brian Hamilton, do you know what I mean? He, he had different coaches which freshened things up all the time. But at the end of the day, it was it was George's team. 
and um, and George made the decisions. And um, he was another one at training. If you didn't work hard in training, he you wouldn't get in his team. It was all about standards, high standards every day. Um, we spoke to George about um, about his training drills because Matt Holland spoken to us about it as well. And he practiced, practiced, practiced the the yeah. passing drills. Did you have any experience of Burley's passing drills? Yeah, yeah, and and he we'd always do. You know, we we do passing drills in a in a square and all that. And if you didn't quite get it right, yeah, he'd be at you. He'd be constantly at you. But then we do these other sessions where it would go out to the right hand side, and whoever was right side, whether you're right midfield or or right back, you'd be crossing, and people would be finishing. And George would always go on the right hand side. And unfortunately, he was still the best crosser of the ball. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he, he would tell everyone he was the best crosser of the ball. And he would put so much pressure on. Do you know what I mean? And he was, you know, he was a, an exceptional fullback in his day. Um, but he, he, you know, his enthusiasm for the game. And, uh, you know, he, he wanted high standards. Uh, he, you know, and then, you know, I, I obviously played under him and then I finished in sort of 98. And then they went on and two years later, you know, he's 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 built another really good team and, and you know, they deservedly got themselves in the Premier League as well and finished fifth. Yeah, you were obviously part of his plans because you were player of the year in ninety six, his first full season, weren't you? Yeah, I mean and that's amazing to get player of the year at, you know, that sort of stage. So the my towards the end, after we got relegated from the Premier League, um we we had <laughs> there was Milton, Matthew, Marshall, and Mason. Do you know what I mean? And the um, the headline writers love to make uh, make fun of that or or talk about the the M force that we had at that time. Um, but yeah, Matt, Matthew and Marshall came into the team, and they were you know they were totally different players, totally different characters, but they could both score. Paul Mason could score, you know, and I could score, and that was a an attacking. But yeah, to get. Player of the Year from the supporters in 1996, after I've been there since 1987. Um, yeah, it was amazing. Absolutely amazing. And um, and then, you know, two years later, 97-98 was my testimonial year after. And if someone would have said to me that you're going to sign a one-year contract in 1987 and then finish in 97-98 with a testimonial of a, you know, 300 games playing in the Premier League, you know. Imagine that now. It's like taking someone from Berrytown now, Sudbury or Leiston or Needham Market, putting them into the our team right now and then three years later playing in the Premier League. You know, it, 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 I, I look back and go, you know, wow. Absolutely. No regrets. Just enjoyed every minute. Every single minute. And your time at Ipswich obviously kept going in a different capacity. When did you start thinking about different roles as your player career was kind of winding down? The big, the big thing that I realised in my last year, which was my testimonial year, is that I'm a salesman, basically, because we, you know, I, I talk to people who've had testimonials before. And you can have, obviously, you've got the game, you can have golf days, you can have dinners. And, you know, it's an opportunity to um, to host these types of events. And I teamed up with a guy, a friend of mine. Um, we put a committee together and I absolutely loved, I loved the commercial side. I loved the marketing side. I loved all the events. Um, and And that was, for me, when I started to really think about that. But it wasn't just me thinking about me doing that. 
David Sheepshanks was at all of my events as the chairman of the, no, yeah, as the chairman of the club at that time. And David Sheepshanks was also thinking of me moving forwards. And I didn't know that at that time, obviously, because I was still playing. But after a really successful testimonial year, which was my last season, um, I sat down with David Sheepshanks and he said, look, you know, you may be able to go somewhere else for a year and play for a year. He said, but, you know, I'm looking to sit down with you because I don't want you to leave. Well, you've been a big part of the club. And David and I joined the club in the same year. So he joined the board in 87. I joined the, the playing style. And when I finished in 98-99, sorry, 97-98, David is now the chairman. And I'm, my career is finished. So we've got we've known each other for 11 years, basically. Um, and and we sit down and, and he worked out a job and said, look, listen, I really want you to stay. And I thought long and hard about it, whether or not I want to continue playing and go somewhere else. And, you know, maybe going down the road to stuff, which is a very, very busy route these days, or... Cambridge or, or just thinking about playing on somewhere else. But um, in the end, I, I, you know, I probably took about a month or six weeks off and then took the job. And and then uh, at the same time, the academy was starting. So I was working part in the academy. I was going with the community department, going into schools. The community trust at that time was, uh, was coaching in loads and loads of schools. We're doing assemblies, you know, and gaining more and more fans at that time. So my transition on the field to off the field was 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 quite a smooth one. Um, but little did I know that David Sheepshanks had had this plan for for quite some time um, in having someone who's just finished on the field to to you know to be able to support the club and do the things because David Sheepshanks was a very outgoing and he would support all sorts of events. And I began to realise that when he would get invited to the left, right, and centre. And for the ones that he couldn't go to, I went. <laughs> yeah, I became yeah the you know the the person at the club at that time, which you know I certainly didn't mind doing because that was my job now, and um, and I learned a lot from David Sheepshanks, and a man with a vision as well. You know, a, a lot of town fans probably think too much about the end of you know toward the relegation season in oh one oh two and and how yeah. that came to pass, but. There was that three-year plan where your your kind of playing career is kind of ending and your roles off the field start. That must have been a really exciting time to be working off the off the field and behind the scenes because, as you say, academy developing there, George Burley building something on the pitch as well. It, it definitely kind of galvanised the community and the club together, didn't it, towards that promotion in 99-2000? Yeah, we, without a doubt. I, you know, there's always, you know, there's... Like, John Lyle was amazing, but... At the end, it was horrible. Do you know what I mean? There's, 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 when every manager, Mick McCarthy, I thought, was unbelievable. You know, the amount, the, over the years and what he did and how he kept it going with no budget and no help, really. Do you know what I mean? But at the end, it was horrible. When people leave football clubs, it's normally horrible. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And, yeah. Um, and, and yeah, you know, what David and George achieved together um, and what David achieved and his plan, like you said, the academy had just come in and, you know, the... That was getting the new training ground and, and, and setting all that. But, you know, like I said, I learned a lot from him. I learned a lot. I learned in, in probably in three, three or four years off the field between sort of 98 to, you know, to, uh, to 2002, I'd seen a team go up. I'd seen playoff final. I'd seen commercial stuff. I'd been involved in the 
you know, people buying tickets for the playoff final at Wembley, queuing. You'll see them. They all love telling everybody that, you know, you might say, I was in the queue for six hours to get my Wembley tickets and someone else say, well, I was in the queue for nine hours. You know what I mean? It's just everybody remembers that time and, and what it was like. And I remember the queue, when the queue got down to the main drive, you know, as people were coming into the ticket office. I remember going out with cups of tea with just normal fans, you know. So got an understanding of, of you know, what it was like and um, and how how important the football club is to the whole community of Suffolk when it's going yeah. well. Nothing else. There's some unbelievably successful businesses in Suffolk, but none of them can do what the football club can do when the football club is successful. None of them can engage a population, kids at school, you know, and that's, you know, that's that's why it's been frustrating over many, many years. But, you know, the, I'm 100% sure that the corner's turned. Yeah, yeah, and of course, after David Sheepshanks, we come to the Marcus Evans era, and um, we haven't mentioned some of the managers. Joe Royal, obviously, you were around the club then. You were around the club with Jim when he was manager. Roy Keane, I'm sure there's a few stories from uh, these characters that you've got to tell. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, because you've worked with, you know, over the years, football's, football's you know, quite small, uh, quite a small industry. Everybody knows in everybody. But I didn't know Joe till he came. And, and when Joe came in and, and Willie Donaghy, you know, Joe Joe was just, he, he was a, he was a like John Lyle because you're very experienced and, you know, got on got on well with all of them, all of the players, whether you're a young player, senior player, the way he dealt with people, you know, but he would let Willie Donaghy do everything. So in the morning, the lads would come in, get dressed and changed and all that, get the strappings on, see the physio and all that. And you wouldn't see Joe yet. My office was at the academy at that time. The lads had gone out training. He'd say, come on. So we'd have a cup of tea in the in the dining area, me and Joe chewing the fat and all that. And then about half 10, he'd step out the door and um, Dick, the caretaker, would have his golf buggy ready. <laughs> he'd go and drive his golf buggy and park it by the side of training and just watch. Do you know what I mean? Let Willie do it. Then up he'd get and he'd come alive. You know, he was a match day manager. You know, he, he taught me he had complete trust in Willie Donaghy, complete trust. And he'd go out there with training and all that, and then he'd come alive at the weekend, and people wanted to play for him, and he liked his attacking football. So, he was, he, yeah, he was he was great. And then it was funny because then when, when Joe's on his way, Jim McJilton left at the end of that season. He's had this big party. We've bought him a load of presents, and then five minutes later, he comes back as the manager. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just strange. And um, you know, I think I think David had, David Cheapshanks had a vision about getting Jim McJilton with with David's help. Do you know what I mean? To maybe you know, let's make him into a, a bright young manager because he loved the game. He was infectious. Um, you know. But, I, you know, equally, it was difficult. It was difficult to come from the dressing room with all your mates and everything. And then all of a sudden, you've got their careers in your in the palm of your hand. So your relationship with those players, it, it changes. And I thought, I thought had, he, had he been the manager for longer, I think he could have become a really good manager. <laughs> I remember saying to him, now you're a manager, there's times, Jim, where you've got to just bite your lip and count to 10. And he said to me, I'll try five. <laughs> 
he he knew that his fuse was very short, very short, you know. Um, and you know, he but he was he was good. He was good at you know. You think of those players that were coming through, those young players like Ambrose and Bowditch and and Bentley at that time. It was no different from when towards the end of my career. You know, we see Kieran popping earlier. Do you know what I mean? At the end of my career, I'm one of the senior players that is looking and thinking this is a good player here. You know, this, and we're helping him right the way along. And then all of a sudden, you're getting left out and Kieran dies playing. You know, it's, it's, it's the transition of football. You know, it, 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 there's always someone coming behind you. Do you know what I mean? Always someone. And um, and and I think Kieran's gone on record saying that the the senior players uh, during you know periods of his career when he's first coming involved, you know, helped him immensely. And you need that. It's the same anywhere now. Same, you know, young players coming through, and so we 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 did have that. Um, but yeah, I was I was I've got to say I was disappointed when Jim left. Can I just ask very very quick, Simon? Uh, like. Ipswich fans and uh, particularly around that era very much bought into the Ipswich way you know Jim Jordan's appointment as manager he yeah. took I think he spoke about that as well is that something that you you buy into that, that at that time that existed and may have existed obviously before then and did you feel like in, going into the Marcus Evans era at the end of Jim's tenure into Roy Keane that started to wane away a little bit yeah, and that was a massive change. You know, that the, the club changed massively. The club was run by a board for all the years I played. You know, whether it was <laughs> whether it was run by a red wine drinking board <laughs> or you know, or a board of businessmen, you know, it was a board and they made those decisions and the manager would go and present to the board about his targets and his contracts and his finances and the board would say yes or no to whatever sign-ins, you know, and the board was led by, when I was there, Patrick Cobbold after John Cobbold, then John Kerr after that, and then David Sheepshanks after that. And so, you know, it was run by a board. And then, and the Ipswich way, well, you know, John Lyle, you could say that he he, he, he made us play in the West Ham way yeah. because they, they played in a, a system and he's come from there. But, the West Ham way was like the Ipswich way. It was, you know, let's play. And uh, and then after that, when George come back, you're certainly going to play the Ipswich way when George is there. And and Jim Majorton was a, a complete footballer. So he was going to play a certain way. And because he'd been promoted from within and, and played a lot of games for us and been involved in a lot of good stuff for us, you know, I, I think he was going to play that way. And then all of a sudden, Marcus Evans comes in and there's no board anymore. You know, there, there's no decisions to be made by the board. It's all made by, you know, the manager and the owner. The owner would would say what the budget is, and 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 so it yeah, it was a total change. And um, you know, then a, a a big big appointment when when Roy came in. Um, and you know, difficult time, really difficult time because. You know, we had money and we had this and we had that and everybody expected us to be successful. We had the highest profile manager out there and it didn't work. And at that time as well, you know, the academy is a big part of this kind of Ipswich way as well. I mean, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but 2013, you're spearheading this academy vision. Um, that is, I think the target was um, 50% of the first team squads 
made up from academy players by 2018, I guess it would have been. And Kieran's involved in that publicity campaign. Liam Manning's one of the coaches he's speaking to. And he's, I mean, what a great career he's having with MK at the moment. What was your sense of Marcus Evans' buy into the academy? Because it, it was a Category 2 investment, which is great, but we always wanted Category 1. How did you feel? Because you were quite pivotal in the academy at that time. Yeah, I mean, I the, the Ipswich have always produced players, haven't they? They've always had players, whether they've recruited really well or produced players from the minute the academy started. And there's something about, you know, someone coming through, like, you know, like, like Dezel did, like, you know, like Chris Kiwomia. Chris Kiwomia came through the youth system, but he wasn't a local. He's he's come from Bradford. He's come from Yorkshire. And then you've got the likes of Ambrose and Ben and Bowditch and Bramble and, and Dyer that coming through and Richard Wright and James Scowcroft. So we have a, a track record of, of producing sort of good players throughout our academy. And um, and it was a successful academy. Um, but it, it's, it's at the end of the day, it's all about investment. And whilst we were producing players for the amount of money we were spending, people were spending more money. Without a shadow of a doubt, people were spending so much more money. And people, you know, clubs then started to think, yes, they wanted to be in Category 1. The Category 1 clubs were spending more and more and more. And what they started to do, Category 1 clubs, the way that I saw it is, they would go and buy the best 14-year-old they can from a Category 2 or Category 3 club. So as well as producing their own, they would sort of go and buy a 14-year-old. And the clubs in the lower academies will get compensation. But part of the job now, these, these, these clubs now, that's what they have. They have budgets to go and buy. You know, if they've, they're producing their own under 13s. But if someone lives, you know, someone's an hour away and you can just take a player, you know, look, when Ben Knight went to Man City, he was without doubt the best young player in the country at that stage. And, you know, you probably know more. I'm not sure what time, what year he left, but he's probably been at Man City five years now, hasn't he? Five or six years, you know. And whether or not he turns into, you know, a top, top player in their first team or not, it just shows you that that's what their investment in him. And, um, and, and that's what I saw was different from what we tried to do with our academy. We didn't have a budget to go and buy players. You would think if Ipswich wants to be a category one, you can go and buy the best player from Cambridge or Peterborough or Culture United or South End, you know, and that was a way. But we never really had the money to do that. Um, so I think that was that was frustrating. And other clubs were spending more and more on their academy and, um, and we wasn't. And I'm not saying that Marcus, you know, neglected the academy, but he, he, he certainly could have, he certainly could have invested more. But I think, <laughs> I think when his first big appointment was Roy, his first big transfer window was that summer. And I think he got his fingers burnt. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, yeah. But that, I mean, that, yes, I mean, he did spend a lot of money to start with. And actually when he first came in, we were big players in that division, weren't we? But gradually over the time that he that Marcus was in charge, Ipswich became smaller and smaller players because the division got richer and richer around him. Um, yeah. Why do you think he continued to own the club when it was clearly getting harder every year for town to compete? 
you know, he owned the club for such a long time, and I spent a lot of time with Marcus. And you know, I sat in his box at the end of games or in the second half, where we're all with Charlie Woods, we're high fiving each other for wins, and you know, so he he really enjoyed the wins, and and but he, he, I don't know, he never whether or not he never grasped the the massive job that was needed to run the club on a on a on a on a day-to-day basis, you know, and he never, you know, he never, he never employed experts at the top of the football club, you know, and that's, you, you need experts. You need experts right the way across, you know, the football club. You need experts in the, in the coaching side, managing side, but you need experts everywhere for your club to, to move forward. And then you, you know, and obviously you need finance, you know, because you can have a great idea. It's not many great ideas that don't cost anything. <laughs> you know, most of the great ideas come with a, 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 a price tag att- attached. But for the good of the club and the long term of the club, you know, and you know, and most of the people who, most of the people who are fully qualified to run the club properly, come with a big price tag. And I think that put him off as well. Yeah. So. You know, I you know if you look back at his, how long did he have the club? Thirteen years. Thirteen years, yeah. Yeah, and you know it's, you know people are looking back now, and you know he he was investing all sorts of money, and all sorts of managers, and we're in a division below now, getting twenty five thousand at home. There's we we got some belief back. We've got some, you know, we've got a strategy, we've got a plan, we've got people, you know, I, I, and that's that, you know, you look at that and you think these people, the people who are coming to the games now who haven't been for a while, either fell out of love with the club at some stage or, you know, whatever, or couldn't see where it was going, couldn't see a plan. And now all of a sudden, maybe they're more engaging now, they can see a plan. We've got a bright young manager who, you know, who, who answers every question without making it about him. <laughs> yeah. Isn't rude to me all the time in press conferences. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he just answers the question. And, you know, over the years, I mean, I go to football with a group of guys now since I've not, you know, I've obviously worked off the field for years and worked on a match day. Now I go with a group of guys and we watch the games and we would go for, you know, something to eat before the game, go to the game, and maybe the game wasn't great, but there was a group of people who got together. And you think you just wish for a team. You turn up on a Saturday, you've seen a team that is fully fit, 100% committed to the job that they're doing, will run through brick walls for the manager. The manager explains why he's picked the team. After the game, if we win, tell us why we won or your thoughts on it. If we lose, be open and honest about what went wrong and how we got beat by the better team, whatever, but just be open and honest. And that's what I, I feel this guy has done. He's, he's an absolute breath, breath of, uh, of fresh air. And you can see people enjoying it. And, um, and yeah, and long may that continue. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, 
protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. So you've met... Kieran, you were at the training ground the other day, you and James Scowcroft and yeah. um, Mick Mills, I think, was there as well, wasn't he? One or two others. Um, and you had a, a lot of the ex-players went up the club to meet Mark Ashton and some of his staff a few weeks ago. What have you made to this sort of on-field and off-field side of uh, the, the, the kind of new ownership? Yeah, we're not the first group of former players, though, to be invited up to the training ground or to something you know, it's happened in the past. It happened under recent managers before, but it absolutely never went anywhere. So, you know, sometimes you've got to look and go, right, is this a is this a publicity exercise, or do they or do they really? So, I'd had a couple of meetings with Mark Ashton, one with Matt Holland, and we were talking about how he wants to engage and he wants to, you know, speak to. You know, we are the history, the past, and there's so much great history and past. And uh, he said, I'm thinking that, that we want to organise a dinner where we have, you know, myself and Mike O'Leary and Kieran and his team. And and then we have a, a group of different eras of, of you guys where we come and have a, a relaxed dinner. So he asked Matt and I to put together a group of former players to come and do it. And we did it. We went to the players' lounge and, it wasn't a, I say it wasn't them telling us it was like a mixed table. Everybody split up and and then Mike O'Leary did a presentation about who owns the club, how they bought it, negotiating with Marcus, and this is where they are now, whether it's the Americans, the pension fund, what these guys are doing. And and then after that, Mark Ashton did a presentation about the club, the strategy, about the first team, the academy. The community, the commercial side, the you know the the supporters, and and just one, you know, and then the, the 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 operations, basically the stadium, the training ground, and you know their vision about what they want to do, and you know they've taken them six months to look into everything that they need to do, and and it was you know it was excellent, and then after that, Kieran McKenna stood up and talked about his vision of football, and you know Kieran Kieran McKenna's a young man. And you've got 
you know, you got Butcher and Mills and Osman and Walk and, you know, and he came alive. And he was so respectful about the people in the room. And we also had some younger players like Adala Lee there, James Scowcroft, Darren Bent, Darren Ambrose, you know, Brian Hamilton, myself, as you said. And it was just a group of former players that the new manager was just explaining, not just I'm going to go out and recruit the best players I can find. I'm going to go and recruit players that I think are going to fit into the way that we play. But I'm not going to go and recruit a 28, 29-year-old centre-half from a championship club if it's going to affect the development of Luke Wolfenden. That he, he wants to improve the group, recruit players, improve the group. And he wants to build, you know, that was what he was talking about. Like building, looking at what we've got and making them better. And the only way to make players better is to, you know, get them believing in you and, and training every day. So, you know, the three presentations were, were excellent. And then following that, you know, Kieran was talking about coming up to this training ground. So that's why we said, right, then we're going to put this into a structure. Because if the manager says, oh, you're more than welcome to turn up at any time, no one's going to go. Because you're not going to turn up at any time, you know. You might turn up on a Friday morning when they got beat and there's all sorts going on. <laughs> what is he doing here today? So we said, right, we'll take that. And that's why we put the structure in place. And um, unfortunately, two, two, two of the guys who were coming, Russell got COVID. <laughs> Darren Ambrose got called into Talk Sport because it was during Cheltenham. And everybody, the normal presenters at Talk Sport were all at Cheltenham. So. <laughs> But we're going to continue to do that. And when we went up there the other day, James Cocroft and I had, you know, 45 minutes with the manager before we went out to watch training. And then we chatted about, you know, everything, results, and between now and the end of the season. And um, and then we watched them. There was a under-23 stroke first-team game against Luton behind closed doors. And, you know, they it was, it was, it was, it was, it was great to be involved. And also... It, you know, the more time I've spent up there, the more time I've spent with these guys, it gives me complete confidence in what they're doing. Do you know what I mean? Absolute confidence in what they do. And you you just think, you know, we are we're at the start of something. Maybe too late this season, but we're start of something. Do you know what I mean? And we got, you know, we got it, it, it just looked like a whole group are together and, uh, and, and, and getting ready. Do you know what I mean? To, I think the strategy was just to win every game between now and the end of the season, because the minute you start getting beat, your strategy's finished, isn't it? You know, so it's a shame, but I, I, I can't believe how close we've been on the run that we've had. And we're still ninth. That's crazy, isn't it? It's unbelievable. isn't yeah. it? It's absolutely unbelievable with a run, you know, normally, other teams would fall apart, but they haven't, have they? You know, the teams above us have continued with their runs as well, which has made it difficult for us to make any headway. Bearing in mind, we've had a, you know, I don't know, you're the stats people, but we've lost a couple, haven't we, in 15 games? Yeah, yeah. I think broad, broadly averaging two points a game for since since uh, he took over in mid-December. So, yeah, it's uh, extraordinary. And I know that's something you said just now. The, the kind of parallel of of ninety one ninety two really that the crowds are coming back and that yeah. sort of is growing and um, getting a manager in who who fans believe in who the players believe in uh, who gets the team playing in a 
in a particular way and and um that the fans have bought into as well um and getting results um and as you say it's probably not going to be this year now it's their 91 92 is going to be next season we, we would hope well yeah but see they'll go into next season with all of this <laughs> yeah 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 here we, we go because we can, you know, as Ipswich Town fans, we can get carried away like the rest of them, can't we? Do you know what I mean? In League One, our expectation should be, should be promotion. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. never going to be anything else. But I, I like, you know, I like the way the manager manages. You know, I, 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 I like the way he handles himself. I like the way he handles. There was a, uh, um, remind me, what the game, the, the last game where the fullback lost it, our fullback. With uh, against Portsmouth, Thompson, Thompson, yeah, yeah, yeah with the Cowleys on yes. the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So everyone went mental, apart from our manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who apologised you know, to Cowley as well, didn't he? It's very emotional. Very, do you know what I mean? And you know, he, yeah, not a problem. You know, because there was people losing it at that stage, you know, and and it falls an emotional game. We've all lost it at certain times, you know, but he just completely kept his head. Um, and you can just, you know, you can just see, like I said, when I was up the training ground there, you know, it was a great atmosphere up there, you know. Um, the only, the only, um, the only thing strange, obviously, that's just come out is, is, is Kieran deciding to leave. Yeah. You know, he's, uh, you know, we've been friends for absolutely years, and uh, you know he's he's got a lot to offer. I mean, the amount of the the, the amount of um, quotes and things that have come out from youth team players and players that he's helped during his time shows you that you know he's he's a great coach. He cares about people, and it will be interesting to see you know his next chapter. And I know we all know that um, you know he's 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 recovering and he's he's waiting for you know, more medical tests and, and, and an operation. And and so, you know, once that comes, I think uh, he's going to have a lot to offer the game um, because he is a, he's got a lot of knowledge, got a lot of ideas um, and, you know, in the future, get his, get himself the opportunity to put them into practice. You mentioned his next chapter um, after Ipswich Town. Your next chapter after Ipswich Town, I think, is, that, is it five years or four years since you left town yes. now? 2017, yeah, five years. Yeah, five years. yeah. So, um, so yeah, sort of pictures where you're at at that point. Tell us where you're at at that point, and when uh, when the offer of this uh, new role with Future Stars came about. Um, in 2017, I was frustrated. I thought we're going nowhere. We're going absolutely nowhere. Mick's the manager. I've got a great relationship with Mick and. I'm running the commercial side of the academy and we're, we're in all sorts of, we're doing some great events. I started all these cycle rides and, you know, for a period, three or four years, you know, we raised over 300,000 pounds in for prostate cancer and the academy and the, the friends of the, friends of the trust uh, um, at that stage. So there's, you know, there's some good stuff going on, but as a club, it was coming towards the end of mixed tenure Fans were getting frustrated. Mick was getting frustrated. Financially, you know, we're, we're full of loans. Um, and it wasn't a, it, yeah, it wasn't a great time. Having said that, I, and I, th I thought I'd never leave. 
thought, this is me. I'll be at this club for the rest of my life. I'll finish here. You know, it's my club. I've been here, well, that was 30 years. But I, I got invited by a guy to help him set up a project in, in, in Africa in 2015. And he became a, an academy sponsor. And that meant that I could go out to Africa and help him. And I helped him set up a project based around education and sport. So, so it was giving something back to the local community. So it was that company's, and it was called DOMA Group, it was that company's corporate social responsibility project, which they needed, which I designed for them with some other guys in, in Africa. So I went out in 2015, and I've been to Ghana before, but I, I really enjoyed it. I went back later, 2015. We employed two coaches. We chose five schools. Our coaches are going in, delivering PE. They're doing sports in the morning, sports after school. And the schools that we worked in had no PE teachers, no kit, no equipment. Just PE was basically open the door, let them out, bring them back in again. So we had a structure. And it was it was it became really successful quickly. So I did it again. I went back in 2016. And then we got another company involved. So instead of just delivering CSR for one company, another company said, we'd like to be involved in that. Can we be involved in that? And I said, yeah, of course you can. So, um, so it made me think that we're delivering a CSR project for one company and now two. Why can't we deliver it for 10? So more people we get, more finance we get, more good we can do. So I then sent them a proposal saying, this is what you should do. Turn the project into a charity and invite all the other companies you work with to come and use this charity project as your CSR, which means you don't have to employ a CSR. You don't have to have a big budget. You just agree a budget and we do it all for you. Um, so obviously they really like that idea. But when I put the proposal in, it didn't include me. It was just what I think they should do, you know. And then in 2017, you know, they had a big board meeting and, and, and said, look, listen, we really like this idea. And one of the guys who is, um, it works for a Malaysian oil company, just said, get the footballer to do it. Do you know what I mean? It was like that. Get the footballer, get him to run it, get him, you know. And so the guy who took me out to Ghana in the first place, who's a big Ipswich Town fan, and he's, he's effectively my boss, and he is the chairman of the charity. So I went, he's been at Ipswich for 30 years, you know. <laughs> I can't see him, you know. I can see him being involved. And then we went for lunch, and we started talking about it, and, you know, would I ever consider? And it was a dark time at the club at the time. I couldn't see where we were going. And But I loved the club, and, you know, but I didn't love my job anymore. So... You know, I, I resigned and, you know, I resigned to the, the people in charge at the time, including Marcus. And Marcus rang me, you know, like straight away. And I thought you were, you know, I thought you were going to be here forever. We always talked about you. I said, yes, yeah, so did I. I said, but I'm, I'm not happy. You know, I'm not enjoying what I'm doing. And, you know, I love the club. I love football. but I'm not enjoying what I'm doing. This opportunity has come along. And, um, you know, I've made my mind up. And here we are now, after two years of COVID in the middle, but, you know, five years on, we got 5,000 kids. I've got four staff, two apprentices, and, you know, we've got kit and equipment coming from Arsenal and Brighton, and, and we've got stuff that we, we could only dream about doing. We've got seven or eight companies now around the outside who are all 
who all were bought into the vision that I had to put the charity in the middle when we have UK events, we've got, you know, but the majority of our funding comes from companies in the oil and gas industry and logistics and marine industry based around the shipping company that I'm actually employed by delivering CSR for people. And we've got great contacts in the British High Commission because once you go into a country, first time we went to, into a country, I took Terry Butcher as well in 2017 with Titus. And the um, the British High Commissioner is a, a mad, well, he's Scottish. So he knew Terry Butcher was. So we went to have tea with the High Commissioner. Me and Titus waited in the car. <laughs> Terry Butcher, the England captain and for, former Rangers captain who invited. And then following we got to know the high commissioner. We've done cycle rides with it, you know, and it just, it just grew and it, 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 it grew, it grew so well that, you know, it, it's just really, it become a massive part of my life. And on a normal year, I'd spend three months in Ghana. So I'd like to go every other month for two weeks. So six weeks here, then go, go back again. Um, and I'll probably go once a quarter this year and then next year back to every other month. Now the travel has, has all opened up again. But yeah, it's 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 amazing being part of something that is 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 the most rewarding thing you'll ever do. And you know, we're we're working with we've got seven schools we work with. We're talking about five thousand kids, and you know, there's thousands and thousands of schools, and we can't help everyone, but we can make a difference to you know the groups of the kids that are with us. We've got two eighteen-year-olds. We've just taken on as our like apprentices, but we've known them since they were 11 and 12. So they're now coming to work with us, going through their coaching qualifications so they can coach for us. They can become our, our next full-time employees when they come to an age. Um, and that's why, you know, but, but because I think the club is in, you know, a totally different place from the day I left to where it is now. Unbelievable. Hence I'm, I'm now, I'm back at the club, not working for the club, but I've done events for the club. I did the 81 dinner. I'm going to do the end of season dinner. And we're doing a joint fundraising cycle ride with the community trust because, you know, the club needs a decent community trust. And I remember being at the club when they got rid of the community trust. It just like, it just, it, it was beyond belief that, you know, we became probably one of the only clubs in the club country that didn't have a community trust or a charitable trust but decisions like that were just being made and without thinking about the long-term consequences of 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 I don't know, seven or eight years of coaches going into schools breeding new fans of the future and it's so, crazy um, to think sorry Sam. no go on it's crazy to think of you know the catchment area of ipswich and suffolk and East Anglia as well. It's, it's not like you've got masses of football clubs here on our doorstep. You've got the guys up the road and a few we talked about. The opportunity here for the club, both in terms of academy, but education, getting people turning up on a match day, is huge, isn't it? Absolutely. The biggest, you know, and that's where, it's where you come from. And like you said, we are, you know, if you're, I was talking to Kieran McKenna about the other day, we were talking about where, when he's in, <laughs> is he in the middle of Manchester? If he goes an hour anyway, there's like 20 clubs 
and then and then there's then then there's a there's a dozen rugby league clubs. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So so whereas you come around here and you go you got to go over an hour to Norwich. You got Colchester. You got Cambridge nearly an hour away. You know we we have this community, and the best thing to do is make the most of it. And every kid, every kid should want to grow up being an it's you know every parent should be you know because we're the local club. We're in this area, and our coaches are in your schools. Our badges going in your schools and we're waving that flag and we're inviting you to games and we're doing community stuff and, and it should be it, it should be massive and instead of going like that over the years it's, it's gone like that and now they've got a job to start fighting against because there's a lot of other academies out there now and the non-league football clubs in this area are excellent you know like I said before Berrytown, Sudbury, yeah. Needham Market Felixstowe, Stowe Market, Layston, you know, they've all got academies now, they've got youth systems. Um, and what, you know, you would think Ipswich Town being the best club in this area, if Needham Market find a 14-year-old they think is amazing, they, 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 they should be pushing that straight to Ipswich Town because it's the biggest club and they should all be feeder clubs for us. And that, that's gone missing. So it's something that needs to be totally rebuilt so that we can have future superstars in the first team that come from Stone Market and Woodbridge and Berrytown and do you know and what Thetford. I mean? And Thetford, yeah. Bringing things yeah. full circle. I mean, no. just talk just about the, the, the um, June, you've got um, another cycling event. It's kind of bringing your two worlds together, isn't it? Foot, Ipswich Town and mm -hmm. future stars in one place. Sounds exciting. Yeah, one, one of the... One of the big things I do is I don't, if I if I do a fundraising event here in the UK, I don't take all the money out to Ghana. I'd normally work with another charity. So whatever money we raise, 50% of it will stay in Suffolk and 50% will come to Africa. So we've got a lot of people who want to support both charities. So we merge together for this event. Um, cycling event. Haven't done a cycling event since 2017. Um, whereas we did loads before. We did London to Amsterdam with prostate cancer. But this is the tour of Suffolk, which we did before in 2017. Now, I didn't want to go out the country because of any COVID issues and, and, and wanted to do something this summer. So that's why we decided to do the tour of Suffolk again, which is 75 miles a day for two days. Go up the middle of Suffolk from Ipswich, start and finish at Ipswich Town. Go up right up to the Hopton. We start Potters overnight and then we come all the way back down the coast. So we go Southwold, Aldborough. Um, right the way down Thorpness and then, and then come back into Ipswich um, raising money for both both charities so we've got 100 places so straight away we've got you know Russell, Russell Osman is, is signed Ayla is keen cyclist Terry Butcher Matt Holland who just phoned me while we were on here um, he's obviously a, a trustee now so the club have made Matt Holland a trustee for the the community trust it's a great move so Matt's a, obviously I've cycled with Matt before so you know, straight away you've got those guys involved. And then we've opened it out to everyone, all the people who cycled before. And, uh, and yeah, we're trying to raise money for both charities. Nobody has had any type of charitable events, basically, over the last few years because of the, the COVID and getting people together. So this is our main fundraising event in the UK this year. Um, and, yes, there's places available. If you go onto the Ipswich Town website or the Trust website, you know, you'll be able to find your way through, look through social media because we're plugging it. We're trying to fill the spaces as much as we can. It's on the 12th and 13th of June. 
it, like I said, it includes overnight um, accommodation. We've got support teams traveling with us. We have lunch at Green King pubs. We've got the East of England co-op supplying all of our snacks and fruit. We've got volunteers coming. We've even got, as you come into Albra, we've got um, we've got a quick trip to Fisher's Gin. So <laughs> um, we thought we'd do that at the tail end rather than at the start. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and, and listen, we've done these cycle rides before. You meet amazing people. A lot of people who've been on the rides before have continued to ride together. Some of them are, are doing business together. But we've had, you know, great support, great support vehicles, loads of people helping out. Um, and yeah, you know, we just want a, we want a day like this. We want a couple yeah. of days like this where the weather is nice and, and, and people would absolutely love it. So yeah, really looking forward to doing that. I'm back to Ghana in may so i'm I'm, uh, I'm i'll be in ghana before that but yeah this will be our, our biggest event of the year um and yeah really looking forward to it brilliant stuff and our our pod friend david diamond is um yeah very passionate about his cycling and very much enjoyed the events he was involved in so um do get involved um is it at milts 25 is your twitter for but yeah website and all that kind of stuff you can find yeah. the details there as well yeah, on the Community Trust website because we're working with them um, and, and that gives them that organisation uh, behind us. It, you know, they've got big accounts departments and everything else like that. So, but I was at Potter's on Monday um, just checking it out, just uh, having a meeting with them. They can't wait. And, 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 and because we had such a good time before, Potter's don't really do one nights anymore, but they will for a group of charity, charity you know, raising cyclists. So it was brilliant to go and meet them, and you know we all we all turn up at Potter's. We do dinner, bread and breakfast. We have uh, overnight. We have presentations. You know the people who've who's done something really good or really bad on day one, um, <laughs> and we 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 always do a. Um, we've got sponsors. You know, we've got a company that sponsors the Ash, Ashford um, Ashford Riot sponsored the front of the shirts. So everyone wears the same sh- you know shirt. It becomes part of a group that everybody tries together. So, um, yeah, a lot of good to come out of it. And, um, yeah, good money raised going to all charities. And in, in, certain, in certain ways, the charities do similar things because, you know, the, the community trust goes into schools and coaches kids for free. Um, you know, some of the most underprivileged schools and charities they go and support. And, you know, basically that's what we do out in Africa. Um, so it's good to work together with them. And in, in the future... I think the community trust are going to set up some volunteering opportunities where people can volunteer with them through them and come to Ghana with us and come work in our schools. Brilliant. That's amazing. Yeah, great. It is. Fantastic. Phil, any, any more bits and pieces that you want to cover before we... I think we've covered an enormous amount. Oh, quite much. Yeah. A 30-year really? career. Yeah, I know. <laughs> beyond. Yeah. But no, it's... It's been a pleasure. I'm, I'm really glad to do it. Thanks for getting me on. Um, an amazing year in 92. Do you know what I mean? Something that uh, people are never going to forget. Um, and just being part of it and then thinking about the people who made it happen with us. Special year. Yeah. And some exciting stuff coming up in the future as well. So, I mean, on behalf of um, everyone watching, I mean, firstly, thank you so much for everything you contributed to Ipswich Town and continue to do so as well. It's great seeing what you did with Titus in, in Ghana as well. Um, 
at Mills25 on the Twitter. Do, if you're not already following Simon, please do that. Um, and thank you so much for your time um, and for so much insight as well. Really appreciate it. No, it's a pleasure. And, and just lastly, when you do, obviously Titus is our ambassador and he, he's, he's working out in Abu Dhabi at the moment. But that guy, what he's given to the charity in time and effort is unbelievable. And they, they absolutely coaches our coaches. The kids absolutely love him. You know, he was he was in Ghana for seven months in 2021, working with our guys sort of every single day. And uh, it came about for him at the right time as well. Because he, he'll tell you how much he gets out of it as well. You know, it's just amazing the, the, the amount of people that we've met. So uh, hats off to him. And, you know, he's, I'm, I'm dragging him back for the cycle ride. <laughs> yeah, so he pull us all along. Good stuff. <laughs> Simon, thank you so much. Pleasure. Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there, offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurant. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.